We bought a pregnant goat, spent the first days as close to her as she'd let us, tried to pet her wiry fur, coaxed her with apples, bright green alfalfa, kept her in a large kennel near the trailer, plenty of shaved cedar she never slept on. We waited for her to learn our safe sense, comfort instead of threat, read up on birthing, health, milk. Three days in, we heard our first coyote pack. They circled the yard, called to each other, laughed like angry hyenas. You grabbed your gun, ran to the fence, all respond and react. I let the dogs out to growl into the dark. We couldn't see them wholly, but caught quick glimpses of golden eyes circling the yard. I begged you not to shoot, remembering books I'd read about predators, how desperately our ecosystems need them, how they will multiply no matter how many ranchers or amateur hobby farmers try to kill them off. Our shy girl paced in the kennel, squatted every few minutes, dumping buckets of piss onto the ground, skin tight, every strand of hair on my body, a million pumping hearts awake, like first fear. This, my early lesson of humans, our relationship with stock, how we choose, tame, pretend to protect a more primal creature's prey. That was Tara Shea Burke reading from her new full-length collection, Animal Like Any Other. She joined me recently for a brief conversation on her book and more. So how does my experience writing the full-length compare to the chapbook that I wrote? That chapbook was right after my MFA, and I felt like I just like really needed it to happen. I wanted something in my hands that felt worthwhile, that felt really validating, because I do know that the long game of writing is is the long game, right? But I also knew I didn't have a lot publishable material yet, and maybe I wouldn't have said that then, but it was maybe instinctual. But I did know that I had a handful of poems at the time. I don't even remember how many is in that, maybe maybe 10 or 12 poems, that really spoke to like the same idea of this this like desire, the body wanting things and wanting things and kind of just being messy, um, but also trying to feel really valuable in a culture that doesn't value bodies and lesbian bodies and queer bodies and desire and bigness and fullness and all of that. And so the handful of those felt really natural to me to have together. If I'm honest, I really wish I would have spent more time on that, but I think that's kind of the value of chapbooks as well because I know there are a ton of writers out there with like 10 to 12 poems that are really beautiful that aren't yet really kind of working on a longer manuscript. But yeah, I mean, I look back on that and I'm like, oh, I could have spent more time with that. But saying that, now that I have Animal like any other in my hands, that was kind of a prep for this. And it kind of gave me this experience to trust that some things are going to take a little longer. As somebody who cares about poems, and to me, that means as somebody who cares about living in this world. When I feel far away from poems, it's because I feel far away from my body. And I feel like judgmental 
And, you know, I have the Western capitalist mind cycling around telling me I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, what I care about doesn't matter, you know? And when I feel closer to poems, I'm desperately searching for the right questions and perhaps answers too, though I know deep in my heart I don't have answers for anything. I just have the better questions and more questions and more language. And I say that because this book really is asking not what's wrong with me but like what's wrong with us and then not what's wrong with us but why are we so sad after my ex broke up with me really intensely and traumatically it kind of brought me back to these poems and it brought me back to this manuscript that i had kind of put on hold for a while and i started to put my family poems together with my poems about my ex and that breakup because i started looking around and making connections in my grief and in my sadness, which is a bodily experience. In a capitalist culture, when I'm in grief or sadness or depression, I need to go fill it with something, right? Like fill it with food, fill it with buying things, fill it with sex and love and relationships that may or may not be right at the time, but just like fill me, fill me, fill me, right? And I wanted to see that as a really primal instinct that is kind of getting fucked up in this culture. And how is that connected to my family life, my queerness, my lesbianness, my body, my hunger, and perhaps all the mistakes I've made trying to figure things out? And then how can I say that they're a mistake and not a mistake at the same time? What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be queer? Which feels like, for me, the biggest iteration of humanness, like just a a desire that no one can name. And then in that also feeling like my lesbianness, is a whole other kind of like antithesis to the culture at large, right? So all of that kind of comes together and and I'm also trying to trace it back to um, what was happening in my family life at the time that kind of fucked me up, um, but also didn't. I can cuss, I guess so. I was like, now that I've done it a million times, um, it's the only language I have for a lot of feelings I have, but yeah. (laughs) So that's kind of where, where that comes in. I did want to ask you more about some of the points you just touched on because I do feel like your poetry often seems to strike a balance between the soft and the visceral and the human and the very, very animal. And I'm wondering, how do you achieve that? What a great question, because I don't know. (laughs) No, I mean, um, to ruminate on that, which is a word I, I come back to often, especially when I'm thinking about animals and my body and the animals I've spent time with, particularly like goat teats in my hands and four dogs in a house with my lesbian lover, you know, I I wonder if it's just because I am just kind of this emotional raw body often that has seemed to have found a way to fit in the world. There were times when I didn't know if I could. And so, but now that I'm in this world and I've decided to be of this world, because it is a choice to make that I've had to make, it's just like, okay, well, if I'm going to be in this world, I guess I'm just going to have to name the things I feel and demand a space for feeling. And so that, to me, does feel very animalistic quite often. When I feel rage in my body, it's connected to my family, and it is an explosion that feels like, I don't know, like a wolf grabbing hold of its prey, right? Because it has to happen, because there's something that must be eaten right or be consumed or be expressed that's only of the body when it comes to sitting down and writing about it i'm closing my eyes because i'm like well wait how did i do this many times it was just sitting and writing like what you would imagine getting a practice and then putting it away for a while and then when this book finally became this book it was last year when i finally kind of revised all of it and put it together 
And I would have these very kind of primal nights with a glass of whiskey. My music had to be blaring and I felt very intense. Like I was like, almost like I had to let the intensity of this book kind of come out and just like an insane typing and kind of rage filled, I'm making this happen. So I wonder if that's kind of connected to like, how does it happen? And then the world doesn't let me feel. So I sit down and feel all over the computer and then go back and try to and, and speak it out loud and feel it out loud and see like, does this even make sense? Or is it just, you know, the animal of me all over the <laughs> screen, which sometimes it is. <laughs> I feel like when we think about emotions, especially as women, we don't think of them as feral. We think of them as things that are soft and need to be padded but sometimes you feel feral thank you for saying that about how it feels feral somebody i was living with last year often said i'm just feral and i and i'm not of this world and i have to make my own way and they they do and they're they're wild i also feel feral quite often myself and so now naming that just reminded me that like while i was finishing this and like needing this time in this like basement apartment the same person was naming that around me. Oh, I can't wait to tell them. Do you have things that help you feel more inspired to write? I used to hear writers talk about this, and they were always writers that I was very connected to. I don't feel connected to all writers or all poets, but the kind of poets that are very, perhaps visceral, this is a theme, right? <laughs> when I would hear those writers talk about when they had to write, that it was just this thing that happened, I didn't quite feel that until I gave myself enough years to really allow that feeling to happen. So I say that as like, it's so easy when I'm not writing to think I'm not writing. But a couple years ago I started saying, well, what if everything I'm doing is an act of presence? I'm remembering to have moments of presence and noticing all throughout my day. And sometimes I capture it, sometimes I think I wanna capture it and I don't, whether it's an image or a photo or written in a notes app. And if I allow that to be a part of how I live in the world, then I have these moments where like language starts to just fall out of my mouth like I'm driving or I'm walking and suddenly there's a line just like happening in my body and I need to get it down and that's kind of something I, I'm glad you asked because I'm naming it now and I'm like oh yes don't forget don't forget I love fiction but I particularly resonate with poetry and, and narrative prose or the lyric essay or personal essays that are really talking about the body I love that Roxanne Gay's magazine gay magazine has all these essays about unruly body that are very lyrical how are we living in this world despite the crushing anxieties of everything that tries to tell us to die? If we really think about it, everything is actually asking us to crawl inside, watch our television all day, um, and I love TV, but you know, only do that and only be these one way of thinking, consuming, non-feeling beings, right? Um, live this one way, and to me that is a kind of death. So I'm looking and I'm hungry for the people that are even when it hurts, like unapologetically trying to live differently and feel differently, make art differently, be feral, right? I thought it was interesting that you mentioned the lyrical essays mm -hmm. because I noticed in some of your formatting you have prose like mm -hmm. poetry. And so I'm noticing a trend in essays and nonfiction writing where they are becoming more lyrical. And that's interesting to see that blurring of mediums almost. Yeah. There was a moment, I guess two years ago now, where in order to survive, I had to have an open document to dump all of my thoughts and ideas and feelings after 
the really traumatic breakup and loss of like a life I had just started. And in that document, I would often say what what I'm searching for is, you know, both poetry and narrative. And there was a time when I kind of was around many polyamorous humans and thinking about what it means to love and be love and boundaries, but also to kind of resist these very like Western white capitalistic ways of being in the body and in family and in love. But I say that to say that like somewhere in that time I gave myself permission to write lined poems and also to write poems that looked like everything on the page without punctuation, all the feelings on top of one another, this kind of like hybrid, hungry, give me an essay, give me a story, but I'm also going to resist the confines of an essay. This is also still a poem, but I'm going to resist the confines of a poem and just kind of make you absorb all of this with me because I need somebody to sit here and absorb all of this with me. There's something about that that feels really queer to me, um, really lesbian even, um, this very kind of like radical, this is how I live in the world despite you telling me that this is not possible to those in power. So yeah, thank you for naming that because it was a choice and then it was not a choice and then it was a choice again. So part of the revision process to like allow prose to sit with my poems, either in the same poem, you might call it, or beside a lined poem and to really resist like a book of all of the same. I mean, that just feels like everything I'm trying to do to live in this life, (laughs) right? It's like, try to, like, I don't want to be the same, you know? I want to change. I appreciate the blurring because obviously you have more experience in (laughs) academia than me, but I feel like things are often very compartmentalized. I don't think there's often room to explore like that. And I think there should definitely be. I think it often can be a way for people to be more authentic than when they're operating within the confines of like, no, it has to be exactly this format. Yeah, I mean, that's so interesting because I struggle with this in a lot of ways because in some ways I do really value, embody the the craft and the work of what came before, learn the rules before you break them. There's an art and a practice in that. But I'm also working with a lot of anti-racist and decolonizing teachers and community leaders. And thinking about this as a white woman as well, how much I want to break systems that are privileged systems. And at the same time, there is something that still in me is like, well, but also still learn the rules first before you break them. And then I say, but why? Like, where those rules come from? Who put those into place? Yes, what beauty was created within them and what happens even when, like, say, Jericho Brown explores the form of the sonnet and the guzzle so much that he can then shift that form to fit his gay blackness, right? Um, Or black gayness or however um, the intersectionality of his life wants to be defined. There's something powerful in that too, but I also am just like, but why? Like, why are we still institutionalizing art and making? Form came out of needing a container. There was nobody teaching form when we created the songs that rhymed and repeated, right? So there is something very like even pre-colonial um, about form, but then what did like the you know white colonist institutions then do to form and then um, professionalizing art and writing? And this coming from me who came from an MFA and like I actually really desperately needed my MFA and sometimes I regret it deeply and I'm also deeply grateful for it. I'm a lot of both and, right? So there's a lot of complexity in that for me because I am now in a lot of debt and I'm also trying to find my ability to queer up my writing, right? Or hybridize my writing or blur my lines, right? But I couldn't blur my lines in my MFA. Would I have been able to blur the lines if I didn't have the MFA? I don't know. 
And also, let's just like blur all the lines. Like, fuck the lines. <laughs> Is there anything more that you wanted to speak to? I just came from hanging out with some, um, I would call them artists. I don't know if they would call themselves artists. And we were just sitting having coffee in the morning on a Friday, and I felt really lucky. But all we, we just like drank coffee and talked deeply about some of these ideas about like, what does it mean to live in a this culture, this like white supremacist, patriarchal, capitalist culture. And also still want to make and to make art and to sing and to create and to write things down. And it it also feels very, very, very connected to me to, to, to lesbian writers who have been asking these questions for a really long time, which is why I'm so indebted to Sinister Wisdom and Julie and being able to have these conversations side by side. Because I do think the lesbian poets are some of my biggest and best teachers in just naming things really clearly and resisting um, the forms and the formats. So if I'm honest, it's only because of that that I could write, <laughs> right? Like if it wasn't for those women, um, I would not be a writer. They were singing the songs of how do we live and how do we exist and how do we live in these bodies despite everything telling us not to. So I just, um, just want to name that. Mm -hmm.